The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm Michael D. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the techsavvylawyer.page and host of the techsavvylawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work, and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. This episode is going off script as we take a deeper dive into current events. COVID has put a wrench in the norm. Almost every aspect of our lives has been affected. This includes bar examinees. Last year's bar exam was postponed to figure out how to deal with test taking given the social distancing requirements mandated by the pandemic. Most of the bar associations adopted an online exam approach. This allowed examinees to take their exams from the safety of their own homes. Unfortunately, the technology did not work out for all of last year's test takers, even putting some of them in the crosshairs of the bar association. Join returning podcast guest and California ethics attorney Megan Savaya as we take an in-depth discussion of the tech problems from last year's bar exam, how it is affecting examinees, and what may be done in the future to alleviate these concerns. But first, a word from this episode's sponsor, Podcorn. Are you a podcaster looking to earn some money with your podcast? Podcorn may be your answer. I've been using Podcorn to meet and engage with many potential sponsors. It was quick to sign up, easy to engage with potential sponsors, and simple to get paid for my work. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to the amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Click the link in my show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Megan, welcome back. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you back. I am. Uh, it's unfortunate under these circumstances, given what's going on with the bar across the country. Um, Recently, I know California in particular has had some issues with their bar exam, and I wanted to bring you on and talk about that. Can you share with us what's going on? Sure. So like many other states, you know, California had an online bar exam, which was the rescheduling of the July bar. So this took place in October. And, you know, that obviously has all kinds of technological hurdles and challenges with it. Um, in so many ways, it's kind of awesome that they could do it, but at the same time, anything new like this, it's bound to have its glitches and it did. So there were, you know, over 9,000 applicants sat for the October bar exam, but unfortunately over 3,000 had their videos flagged as potential cheating violations. And this all kind of happened very late in the game. It was only a couple of weeks before results were to come out. And the bar said, oh, look at this. We've got over 3,000 applicants whose videos got flagged. And that sent waves of panic through the applicants. And then in mid-December, the bar completed going through those videos. Um, at least we were told 
by human review of those videos. And they still sent out over 400 cheating notices, essentially. Um, if you ask the bar, they wouldn't call them that. They're called chapter six notices, chapter six of the admissions rules for the state bar. And the notices essentially say, we flagged you for what looks like a cheating violation, please respond. Now the bar's attitude towards those notices is, oh, this is just um, you know, an opportunity to respond. We're not alleging that you cheated, you talk to anyone who received the notice, it's, I was just accused of cheating. So there were about 430 of those notices sent out right before Christmas uh, with very short response times. And I was part of a flurry of activity trying to respond to all of those notices. I mean, not me personally, all of them, but obviously being part of an advocacy team, trying to get information out to help people respond. Now, the reason that this it was completely different than a normal in-person bar exam is the technology. So when you took the online bar, you had to sit in front of your laptop being filmed the whole time. And the software actually picked up through its artificial intelligence systems the videos of the applicants that were being flagged. So those 3,100 and some odd videos that got flagged, that wasn't a human flagging those, that was the AI. So right there is something really unusual in comparison to an in-person bar exam. If you're an in-person exam, you have a convention hall full of people taking the exam and humans wandering around and the humans will pick up on other humans having behavior that you know gets noticed and they may issue a chapter six notice. Well, in this, this was a computer flagging these for that first review. Well, that's a huge number of them being flagged, right? So normally you don't have 3000 people potentially flagged in an administration of the exam. And so right there, we have a huge hurdle set up by the technology. And then from there, humans got involved and had to whittle that down and deal with it. Um, but still everything was so different than a normal chapter six here. We had video that the applicants were not allowed to see when they were trying to respond, um, and a whole different kind of violation moving out of the view of the webcam was a very common violation that was flagged. Well, that's not a thing in an in-person exam. And with the online bar exam, you were also supposed to submit audio, um, of your, of your exam time. So it was recording your video with audio. Well, for a lot of the applicants, the, the audio portion didn't work. So now we had a whole nother kind of chapter six violation, which was your audio is not working. Again, not a thing with an in-person exam. So the whole scenario as it played out was so driven by the fact that this was online and they were all struggling to deal with a new type of technology being implemented for a bar exam. So if I, I've got several questions for you about this. So regarding the AI versus the human review, for the AI, and the, oh, forgive me, and for the AI and the human review, why was it so picky regarding just the AI? I mean, wouldn't uh, bar examiners be able to be able to use the bathroom, you know, get up, go to the bathroom, or if they need a drink of water, they're not allowed to leave for two to four hours at a time? So no, you're not allowed to go to the bathroom. Um, and they you actually, are, correct me if I'm wrong, at least, you know, when I took the bar, you're allowed to, you know, you leave, you have to do certain procedures, mm -hmm. but you're still allowed to leave. 
In person, yes. On the online bar exam, no. So I'm actually representing clients whose entire violation of the bar exam rules were I went up to go to the bathroom. And so they're now being referred to the moral character committee. Their moral character applications are being held up. They're going to have to explain themselves for their cheating violation to the moral character committee. And the explanation is I couldn't hold it for that long. I had to go to the bathroom. Well, in addition to the stress, what about reasonable accommodations? So if ahead of the exam, you felt that you needed an ADA accommodation to be allowed to go to the bathroom, you could seek accommodations for that. But if you're just otherwise a normal human being like me, I can't imagine going three to four hours without using the bathroom, but ask my family. I made fun of it for it all the time. Um, there's, you know, I guess, I don't know. I don't consider that an Americans with Disabilities Act problem. It's just kind human of a nature. normal. Yeah. So, I mean, you could have sought an accommodation, I suppose, to be able to go to the bathroom, but in general, um, that's just simply a violation of the rules now to get up and leave the camera view. Well, but staying out of the camera view, I mean, where is it that they're expecting the examinees to go? Well, the, the expectation, I suppose, is that if you got up and left, you may be checking your notes or your books and cheating on the exam. You aren't allowed, even stretching, even stretching, you know, oh, my neck is really stiff and I need to get up and stretch for a minute. If you left the view of the webcam, you were actually flagged as a potential violation. Well, I mean, what stops uh, uh, an exam taker from just having their notes left and right of the, the monitor? Well, if they were seen in the webcam view, that was a violation. And we have some affirmed chapter six notices for papers being in view. But one very um, vocal advocate in this whole process pointed out repeatedly that the bar was completely missing the point on the cheating. That if you really wanted to cheat, there were many ways to do it. And one of the things the bar did not do was have you do a room scan of the room in right. which you were taking the exam. Right. So theoretically, the entire wall behind the laptop could have been covered with your notes. Right. And there they did have um, a potential violation of looking outside the webcam view. So if you, you know, for a prolonged period of time had your eyes out, you know, looking up above, they would say, well, it looked like you were looking at someone or something. There was um, one I saw where someone one of their kind of actually was an ADA accommodation even for it was to be able to talk to themselves. And they were accused of having a conversation with a third party. I know I was talking to myself and you're supposed to have the audio. So you should have been able to hear I was talking to myself. And, and so, whose fault is it that the audio is not there? I mean, is it the, the program? Is it the user? Is it both? Is it so the audio issue is an interesting one. So that was a large number of people. I mean, just that I personally dealt with was, you know, many who their audio wasn't picked up in the exam files. So you take the exam and it's recording the whole time and you upload your file and that should have your video and audio in it. And that was absolutely a software problem beyond the user's control. Because in order to take the exam, you had to perform certain mock exams first. Right. And in order to pass those mock exams and pass me, not substantively as a technology, you know, pass your, your tech to pass the audio had to get picked up. And so the audio was working at some point during that testing process. And then on the actual exam, the examinee has no idea 
that their audio is not being picked up. If they went to take the mock exam and their mic wasn't working or the audio wasn't being picked up, the software, the exam soft software said, you can't log in, we can't detect your audio. Like it gave them warnings. Then they would fix it in order to get past the mock exam. So they think, the examinee thinks they're good. They go to take the exam, ExamSoft was not kicking them out. It wasn't saying you can't log in, your audio is not working. It just let them in, take the exam. The examinee has no idea. There's no audio in their file. So if I may, I've got two questions on this. So number one, normally, you know, when we do like, when you and I do a Zoom conference or something, we see the little record button, it's green. And there's also sometimes a little audio button. You know, I've got a little microphone here that kind of goes up and down as my, my voice raises and lowers. Was there anything like that for the ExamSoft software? So my understanding, and of course, this is all from applicants because I have not been in the software because I'm right. not approved to take the exam, um, is that there's no indication as to audio working or not working. For the video, when you first log in, you do see that you're centered in the webcam view. Mm -hmm. And during the exam, you could check periodically, but to check your own webcam view, you have to pull a drop down from the top of the screen in order to see yourself. And once you do that, it then blocks your view of your exam. So you can't leave that up. Like on Zoom, you know, you're having a Zoom meeting and you have all everyone's pictures up and you can have yours right. as a small thing in the corner. You can't do that with the exam soft. So you could check now and then, oh, I'm still in view, but you could stretch and go out of the view and not realize that. So when they were flagged when they were getting the phone call from the bar uh, bar exam software. Um, does that count against their time? So they weren't flagged during the exam. No one knew this was happening until two months later. Okay, but I am aware that in some situations, um, maybe in California or it was Tennessee or possibly New York, that like sometime they'd be on the phone with the exam soft people because something wasn't working right uh, tech wise. Did that time count against them during their bar exam? So I do, I have spoken to some people who were aware of some problem and then they would call, they'd call admissions or they'd call right. exam soft. Um, and that was counted against their time. Once the clock was running, it was running. Which is like, you know, if the lights go out in the gymnasium that you're taking the bar exam, you know, that's being counted against you because they can't turn the lights on. Right. I mean, that's just that this, I mean, I think the process of taking a bar exam remotely with your own laptop is probably a good idea. They just need to work out some of the bugs. Um, Agreed. And, you know, and like one, one particular instance that I was aware of with um, someone calling the bar, it was one of those things where it was just lack of communication and in, inadequate communication. So the bar had published ahead of time, here's the schedule for the morning. You know, you're gonna log in in this window. You've got like 15 minutes to log in, verify everything. Once you're set, you're gonna press this button and you're gonna wait until let's just say 9.20 and then the exam will pop up and then you'll begin. Okay, now a lot of these applicants, keep in mind, have taken online exams before. Now that's something that I don't entirely relate to because I never took anything online, but in law school, a lot of them have. So they will have a certain frame of reference and many of them reported to me, oh yeah, we did something like that in law school and you're like in a holding area 
until the exam started, like a Zoom waiting room. So the bar published the schedule. They're all expecting it to be followed was why wouldn't you? Well, then they found out on that first morning, I logged in, I verified everything. And then at that point, I expected to be waiting. I could see the test and there was a clock running. Wait a second. That wasn't supposed to happen. You know, they they said that wasn't going to happen. I'm seeing the test before I'm supposed to see the test. No one else can see the test because they said it's not released yet for 15 more minutes. I'm going to get accused of cheating. Why can I see the test? This isn't right. Right. And they're panicking. So then they call the bar. This isn't right. I don't know why I can see the test and who they're calling. They don't really understand necessarily all of these little nuances and details. And as it turned out, the bar was actually wrong in publishing that schedule. The truth is that once you pressed a certain button, you were going into the test and now it was test time. So those applicants who were panicking and trying to figure this out, trying to do the right thing, were losing exam time. And then they got chapter six notices. We saw you leave the webcam view. Then you walked back into the webcam view on a phone. Who were you calling? And it's like, I was calling you. <laughs> that, that's, uh, I, there seems like some of the problems that were created by this situation could have easily been resolved by the bar. If, yes. And well, let's go back one step. You had mentioned like some of the audio files were either lost or just weren't created. And you and I were talking off mic earlier and I had mentioned the case out of New York where apparently the exam soft software did not upload the proper MPRE exam results for this bar applicant. He found out he failed originally. And he's like, well, something's not right. And then he kind of looks at the MPRE and he realizes that maybe they don't have the right results or the right form from ExamSoft software. And he contacted ExamSoft software and it turns out they did upload the wrong form and he found out he passed. I mean, to go through that kind of mental pressure. And, you know, I remember when, I don't know if it was ExamSoft, but it was some exam computer program that would allow you to, to take your exams, your law school exams on a computer, it would lock everything out. So this way you had a keyboard and a word processor. And if the teacher did something wrong in the programming, and I mean like, you know, didn't have the right word count or the right page count, say gave seven words instead of seven pages, you know, that kind of stuff would panic any law student, let alone any bar applicant. But one thing I do want to talk to you about is the, the response time, how they're allowing these uh, the students, the applicants, excuse me, to respond. And you mentioned, uh, or had read that some of the rules had changed. So first of all, they don't get a copy of the video. Why not? I mean, it should be that simple as, a, as an MP4 file. Agreed. Totally yeah. agreed. And they said originally, this is what frustrated me so mm. much, is all of the earlier FAQs from the bar said, if you get a chapter six notice, you'll have access to your video, but they didn't do that. Why not? So it was, they just changed the procedure. They said, no, we'll only, and then they even said, we will only give you the video if two things, one, after you've responded to the notice, we affirm it, meaning, you know, we say, yes, indeed you cheated. And the thing that we say you did, we have decided you can dispute. So if we've decided that the thing we've accused you of is indisputable, you don't get your video, period, ever. 
and, and what about the audio? What are they going to do about the audio? I've never seen anything where the audio was even being offered up. Now, I also am not dealing with any where the audio is particularly relevant. Like the one where someone was accused of having a conversation with a third party didn't get affirmed. And so, you know, at this point, that's kind of irrelevant. So I haven't dealt with the audio as a separate issue other than the missing audio. Now, wasn't something changed about the timing that they could respond, that they only had so many days versus they actually had a longer, they originally were told they were going to have a longer period to respond? Um, We always only had the 10 days to respond. The difference was whether you'd have access to any evidence. Okay. The the other issue is how long it took them to send these notices. So in an in-person exam, like you're handed a chapter six notice at the time. The others I've dealt with, you know, someone had something in their pocket they weren't supposed to have or a headscarf on when they weren't, they didn't have an advanced permission to do so. Don't get me started on that. But um, they walk out of the exam with their chapter six notice. These, they waited two and a half months after the exam to send. So they were sending them right before Christmas and you had 10 days to respond with no evidence. Why did it take so long? That I have no idea why. I mean, I I would assume that the AI would automatically flag it. You know, I'm not saying correctly, but apparently they did. And if that happened, it doesn't make sense. It would take two and a half months for them to send out the notices. Agreed. I, I do not know why. I have not heard an explanation from the state bar on why. And, and did the bar explain why they, there was such an inordinate amount of flags? I mean, 4,000 flags? Yeah, so it's 3,180 flags. Um, and that that has to do with the software, you know, and there's a lot of blame being laid at the feet of the software developers about that. And people have made all kinds of of kind of inflammatory statements about it, including that there's some racial bias within the software and, you know, overly sensitive and whatnot. I think, honestly, I think that's kind of misplaced. I'm not saying that the software can't have its, its issues and its glitches that are naturally built in, but it's really what you do with the information coming out of the software. You know, it's kind of a garbage in garbage out. I do right. <laughs> like humans have to deal with, with the information that comes out of it. So that the flags, I think, you know, it's a, it's set to very sensitive and ExamSoft makes a point that the each state's regulators who are using their product can make their own determinations of how sensitive things are set and what they want to do with the information. But the state bar did end up with 3,000 videos that they needed to review. I don't know why that wasn't completed for two and a half months. They don't. They haven't even said that when they started that review. So I don't know when they even started it. It seems like it was being done in December, but they haven't given us a lot of detail about that. Has anyone done a FOIA on the communications between the state bar and ExamSoft? I would not be surprised if someone has, because there's a lot of advocates out there who are pushing to find out a lot more about how this has all gone down. And is ExamSoft the only software program that's out there right now to to handle this? I don't believe they're the only one, but they're a very popular one and certainly the one that California was using. And so that's been my focus. I think that was the one I used in law school uh, way back when, Um, but I could be uh, mistaken. You know, going back to the the racial bias uh, concerns, could it be an issue with skin color? Could it be an issue with the way the skin color is showing up on the exam software? Absolutely. I, I talked to a lot of applicants 
and even not just like dark skinned black I'm mm -hmm. talking even light skinned Asian. So, you know, very, you know, a wide range of skin tone degrees, um, who said that at the outset, when you're supposed to recognize your face, just to log in that they had trouble with it, even recognizing that they were sitting there and the software, I think gives an alert, like turn up the light. Um, when you're sitting at something like sitting in the bright sunshine, like that's not the issue. Um, so there's definitely some issues with that, but then like the bar has made it so you can bypass that. So it won't keep you from taking the exam. But then I certainly think that there is an element of the darker skin tones. And of course I say darker kind of in air quotes, because if a light skinned Asian person is triggering it, I'm thinking they might even look fairer than I do. Um, but those, those videos are likely to be amongst those where there's issues being flagged, like apparently leaving the webcam view when maybe you never did, maybe you were sitting there the whole time. Well, how has this impacted uh, those 300 plus students that you talked or examinees uh, that you talked about? I mean, has it, have they been able to move on to find out whether or not they did or did not get caught quote unquote cheating, or if it was a, a text uh, glitch or, you know, I mean, are they able to take it again? Do they have to, or are they like barred from ever taking the exam again? So there's a number of steps that went through. So first you have the 3000 people um, and those 3000 don't all know that they were amongst the 3000, right? So there was a review done and 430 notices were sent out. So for the other you know, 2,700 people, they don't even know they were flagged and they can't okay. tell themselves from the other 6,000 who didn't right. get flagged. Then the 400 and some, those are the ones that I was dealing with in December. So they were completely panicked, you know, and trying to spend their Christmas figuring out how to deal with this allegation right. of cheating, um, which is exactly how they all felt about it. From those, um, hopefully everyone responded. I don't, you know, I dealt with many and some of my colleagues dealt with many. We put a lot of materials out there for people to do it themselves because we weren't capable of, of handling everyone. Um, 48 of those 430 were affirmed for reasons um, related to leaving the webcam view. And then three more of those were affirmed um, for failing to actually upload their exam files. So I'm not really sure what happened with those three, but mostly it's the 48 um, who were affirmed for moving out of the webcam view. They got zeros on significant portions of the exam. So any section of the exam where they were observed leaving the webcam view, they got a zero. So most of them failed because, I mean, I don't right. know about you, but I don't think I can pass a bar exam with any section being zero. Right, right, right. But, they, but two things followed. One is they did get a letter from the bar telling them whether or not that zero impacted their passing or not passing. So most, most of those that I've seen said, basically you failed anyway. Right. So that's, I guess, some level of comfort. The other thing though, that happens is that as a matter of course, every affirmed chapter six notice gets referred to the moral character committee. So if you already have a positive moral character determination, that's going to be withdrawn and you're going to have to answer for these cheating allegations. If you haven't gone through the process yet or your application's pending, you're going to get an inquiry about your moral character status because of this cheating allegation. And still, you're not being given the video because they are not allowing you to dispute this. 
If it says you left the webcam view, the bar has decided that means you can't argue with them. You can't get the video. You can't seek an administrative hearing. It's just a final determination. How is this not a due process issue? I think it's a huge due process issue. I think it's a huge problem because now you're going to the moral character committee and that's the, the point in the process at which the applicant has the burden, right? You have the burden of proving to the bar that you are of good moral character. The bar is now levying this allegation at you and you're sitting there going, well, I can't show you anything. I can just tell you, I swear I didn't cheat. And will the moral character board have a opportunity to review the video? I don't know because the applicant doesn't have it and we don't know what the state bar is doing with it. You know, this is new, this is a whole new process. So we don't know what the state bar is doing with those videos. I can tell you that for my clients, I'm asking them to provide it and, or to at least preserve it. Because when the time comes, I think that the applicants should be able to use that video in their moral character process. I don't have any responses yet, so I don't know how the bar will handle those. Well, this seems like it would give the applicant an incentive to use their their smartphone or or some other device to record themselves concurrently, which which is probably a violation of the rules yeah, because like, you can't have a device in the room. Right, and and has has anyone considered? I mean, has anyone talked about filing like some sort of injunction in federal court? There has been talk of it. We have an issue that the state bar has immunity from suit. And so you automatically have a hurdle to get over with the immunity. And, you know, the applicants are not able to pay lawyers to do this. So you're basically asking for a coalition of attorneys to band together on a pro bono basis. And everyone has their different areas of expertise if someone will coordinate such an effort, we might get somewhere. Of course, it's one of those things um, that I feel like it's a law school question where by the time we got any relief, the people we were seeking it for would probably have just gone and taken the bar exam again. And But can that, they? But can Yes, they, they can. So they still can take it again, um, but they're going to have, their issues going to be in the moral character process. And, and all the while they have a moral issue character matter going on and they have to take the bar exam again. And that really puts a crimp on their career. It does. Now, the ones who failed anyway, you know, I go, okay, well, you were going to have to take the bar exam again as it is, right? That's no fault of the bars. There's no fault of the software. Like you didn't pass. So as far as taking the exam again, it stinks, but it's the same boat you would have been in if you had sat perfectly still the whole time but you wouldn't be taking it with this specter of a moral character problem hanging over your head. Right. But, but if some of the, if you fail because some of the sections got zeroed out because you stretched, moved, went to the bathroom, whatever. I mean, is there any chance to get those zeros reinstated to what your score actually would have been? No, because the state bar said, no, they said, you can't dispute this. You're done. That's, I'll, I'll keep that opinion to myself. Yeah. Oh, I have. Oh, I won't. I have a huge issue with this. <laughs> I have a huge problem with it. They don't even show you what the evidence is. There's no sense of humanity or reasonableness. Like, oh, literally, I got up to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry. I couldn't hold it. And in an in-person exam, you would have let me go to the bathroom. Like, why aren't we talking about these things? Why isn't there some opportunity to speak with the state bar and say, 
but you can see from my video, I was gone, you know, one minute. How much cheating could I have done in one minute? Right. Now, right. the state bar said at the committee of bar examiners meeting last week that they only affirmed uh, the notices for being outside the webcam view if they were outside the view for an extended duration. That was their phrase, extended duration. They did not state what that time is. Right. And I have spoken to people who have those affirmed notices who literally got up to pee and they were like, there's no way I was gone more than a minute. I was too panicked about getting back to my exam. I knew I wasn't supposed to leave, but I couldn't hold it. I rushed. I wasn't gone more than 60 seconds. And so if that's considered an extended duration, of course, we can't even verify how long they were gone because we don't have the video. Right. No, that's, uh, that's, there's a huge due process issue going on here. And I, I empathize with all of the uh, examiners, the examinees, excuse me, because it's a stressful time. And it's a career moment, you know. It is. And, you know, we aren't better or worse lawyers because we can hold our bladders or not. Like, this right. is like, we're, we've started testing the wrong thing. Right. No, no, no. I, I, I'm with you on that. Well, let, let me ask you, let me ask you this. So you're, you're an examinee and you've been dinged, uh, whether it's for California or wherever the case may be. What, what are the top three pieces of advice would you give the examinees to do? In other words, obviously not panic, but in effort of not panicking, what steps, what proactive steps should- Well, they shouldn't just fold, you know, stand up for yourself, explain yourself. Don't, don't put your tail between your legs and be like, oh, if I was accused of this, I must've done something wrong. Like that initial reaction of what? When you read that notice, there's something to that. So that's a big thing to me is to stand up. The other thing that it comes to mind is to really advocate. You know, we've gotten a lot of mileage through public advocacy with these issues from getting the chapter six notices, you know, dealt with in a reasonable manner and in a timely manner so that people could get their results, so that they could get these closed out over Christmas and New Year's. Right. We are literally getting closing notices on Christmas. So we, that was because of public advocacy. So step up, be very vocal and don't be afraid of retribution. A lot of applicants are afraid to speak up because they think, well, now I'm going to get on that list at the bar where they're going to make my life miserable. You're not They're You know, they're not looking to make your life miserable for all my distrust of the bar. I'm adverse to the bar in every single one of my cases. Um, I still don't think that they are doing that. Um, so yeah, stand up for yourself, go with public advocacy as much as you can and keep your focus really on the end result that you're after. You want to get admitted to the bar. So even when stuff seems unjust or unfair, I keep going in the process. Don't throw in the towel and say, well, if you're not going to, you know, give me my video, I'm not taking the bar exam again. You're only hurting yourself. Right. So don't, don't get sucked into that, even though it's really tempting sometimes. And I say, I think that was two. Can you give one more? Oh, I thought that was three. Oh, you know, forgive me. If I miscounted, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to pull one more out of you one way or the other. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, the other thing I would say is talk to other people, you know, realize that you're not alone because that was really interesting as this whole thing started to unfold. So I got my first case. Um, I think it was like December 10th or 12th mm -hmm. was the first one. And we're like, oh my gosh, really? This is happening. This is crazy. And we dive all in, try and find out everything we can. And then we get another call. And then we get another call. And we start going, wait a second. If we're getting this many calls, 
how many people are there out there? Right. And then you start digging it all. And when you realize what a community of people are facing this, every one of those applicants being able to talk to other people in the same boat started to get a lot more comfort. And you start to feel so much less isolated and you know, sort of victimized by the whole process. And when you realize there's a big bunch of you and you can all talk to each other, that spurs the other actions. That spurs standing up for yourself. It spurs the public advocacy. And I found that once the ball got rolling and mm -hmm. we realized how many people were out there, we put them all in touch with each other it really reduced everyone's stress level. Not to say that they were like, oh, I'm okay now. Um, but it certainly helped to mm -hmm. not be going through this just in isolation. Because at first, of course, your reaction is like, oh my gosh, I'm not telling anybody. The, the bar just accused me of cheating. I'm not telling a soul, right? Well, I know they accused you and 431 other people. So what is their duty to disclose? What is their, in other words, you know, are you being investigated? Have you been, is it part of the bar disciplinary process? Are you have to wait for a um, actual charges, formal charges to be filed before you need to tell anyone that, hey, guess what? I'm being investigated. No, I can't imagine that anyone, any of the applicants would need to tell anyone any of it unless they at least got to the point of an affirmed notice. Mm -hmm. Um up until then, you know, the bar really downplays what the actual notice means. And until it's affirmed, you have no, you know, even really formal allegation of cheating, according to the bar's nomenclature, as they talk about what that notice is. Once you have an affirmed chapter six notice, it really will depend on what you're doing in your life. You know, if you're going into an employer where some provision in their employment guidelines says that you need to tell them, you know, I would read those things carefully. If you have employment, does this qualify as something you need to tell them? Mm -hmm. uh, but you're in your real issue is in the moral character process. At that point, if you're going to get denied because of this, then denial of your moral character application could lead to a need to disclose, like if you're admitted in other jurisdictions or right. if you later go to. Right, right. Um, but you don't, I don't see much need to publicize that you're part of this process, except for any employer guidelines that you might want to look at. Roger, Roger. Okay, I, I'm following, I'm following. Um, well, let me ask you this last question. If you were the grand poobah, okay, at, at that, you know, with the bar and ExamSoft and any other software uh, exam program, what, what three improvements would you suggest to Oh, I like that question. Um, well, the first thing would just be in general, like you've got to inject a lot more humans into this process. You can't just rely on the tech. So I would say there needs to be like some sensitivity dials as to how, how sensitive you set the software to be flagged in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once they are flagged, that human review needs to start immediately. That there, there's no excuse in my mind for sending out these sorts of notices within two weeks or three weeks of exam results, two and a half months after the exam. These right. should be done immediately so right. they can be dealt with immediately. And then lastly, those videos should be accessible to the examinees. You there's no reason you can't go, you shouldn't be able to go into your exam and see what they're talking about. You know, they're, they're saying they're not even gonna share it with you. Well, why is it yours to share in the first place? Why can't I log into my exam account and review my own video? Right. So I know what I'm 
looking at and it's no burden on the state bar or exam soft to give me access. Uh, I, I'm nodding along with everything that you're saying. <laughs> the, the listener can't see that obviously, but, um, and number three. Um, and number three is when you do that review, just have a little more common sense than it looks to me like they were they were using. And that's really for the bar examiners, not for ExamSoft. If you've got a known issue, which they did with the audio, for example, look at a video where the person's audio wasn't working and be like, oh, there's not, no, this is fine. Sucks that their audio didn't work. Not sure why that is, but clearly I don't need to bother that person with a chapter six notice and require them to freak out, hire counsel, spend money to respond, to tell me all the steps they took to make sure they had audio. Like we can see there's no issue. So that'd be for the bar, you know, just a lot more common sense would have solved so much of this. Well, so, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, there are concerns about whether or not you can quote unquote sue the state bar um, or take them to court. Are you aware of any litigation pending against ExamSoft? You know, I have not followed closely enough to see if anyone's suing them. In my mind, they're not really to blame. That's in my view, all of this really falls at the feet of the state bar. Well, I'm thinking more of the upload of the two tests Mm -hmm. and, you know, for instance, the upload uh, of the wrong NPRE exam results for the state of New York that we talked about earlier. I didn't know if, or for the audio for that matter, if the audios goes out, I mean, that's gotta be on the provider. So I think, I think that does fall on them that they have some technical glitch that wasn't, you know, solved. Okay, fine. That's an issue really between them and the bar because that's a con- there's a contract between the provider and the bar. Right, but right? remember it's also but it's also the, the test taker that's the one that's being hurt by this. They are, but they're being hurt because the state bar didn't say, "Oh, that's odd. I wonder why we have no audio, but clearly the video's fine. Right. We have no reason to suspect cheating." What did you think they were playing Barbary notes or lectures in the background while they were taking the exam? Yeah, like- I, I, yeah, and, and and at the right spot too, because you'd have to be like on the right spot. I was like, you know, for this type of tort, you know, blah blah blah. Exactly. So there, you know, I really feel that the blame lies with the bar with what they do with the information Mm -hmm. they obtain Mm -hmm. from ExamSoft. So that's why I just, I know that there's rumblings um, as, you know, arguments that people want to make against ExamSoft. But my personal view is the bar is ultimately in control of this process and can decide what to do with the information it receives. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your time in sharing these, uh, uh, these unfortunate events that have been happening for some of our bar examinees. Um, I understand that times are tough during COVID and with technology, we can solve a lot, but we also have to understand that technology is not human. There needs to be some room for human error and that technology will not solve all of our problems. Megan, tell us, where can people find you? Um, well, on social media, primarily on Twitter, I'm at Xavier Law. And then my website is zavielaw.com, which has a contact form and my email address is right there. So always happy to hear from people. Megan, thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me. And a special thanks to our new sponsor, Podcorn. Easy to set up, easy to connect with sponsors, easy to get paid. Podcorn, get paid for your podcasts. Click the link in my show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today.
Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. I hope you enjoyed yourself and garnered some sympathy for our recent examinees. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at michaeldj at the Have a great day and happy luring.